Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's really good to be with you again. I just want to make sure I share my screen. Um, just a thumbs up if you can see that. Uh, that would be great. Okay, yes, so um, it's really good to be with you. It's good to be in fellowship again. It's good to see some familiar faces joining us, uh, some new faces. Uh, it's really a, a blessed day to be together. Uh, it's also a really good day and a privilege to be able to open in God's word together. And so as you've heard, we are in week two of the Origin series. And this week we are focusing on the origin, the beginning of work. Um, we have the privilege to uh, be able to um, have this thing called work. Uh, and so we want to just reflect on this today as a team. My friend Sia is going to, um, Sia Bulela, is going to actually read our portion of scripture today. There's three smaller pieces from the book of Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 3. And we'll be working through all three of these books in and out for the preach. But she's just going to highlight a few snippets uh, from there. So Sia, please go ahead. I will put the verses up for you. In the beginning, when God created the universe, the earth was formless and desolate. The raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness, and the power of God was moving over the water. Then God commanded, let there be light, and light appeared. Then God said, and now we all make, and now we will make human beings that they will be like us and resemble us. They will have power over the fish and the birds and all animals, domestic and wild, large and small. So God created human beings, making them to be like himself. He created them male and female, blessed them and said, have many children so that your descendants will live all over the earth and bring it under their control. I am putting you in charge of the fish, the birds, and all the wild animals. And so the whole universe was completed. By the seventh day, God finished what he had been doing and stopped working. He blessed the seventh day and set it apart as a special day because by that day he had completed his creation and stopped working. Amen. Thank you so much, Sia. Reading a different version can be confusing, but it can also be illuminating, because we get to, to see how different texts have has used different words to, to really help us to understand this text. And so as we get into it today, I hope that we will really find richness in this word of God, uh, it, it, it's really, uh, as I prepared, I was again reminded of everything we have is in this word. So the book of Genesis focuses on the creation narrative, right? Uh, to me, the creation narrative makes me think about so many things that bring life and hope. It tells me something new is happening. It's about opportunity. It's about growth. Uh, the book of Genesis also speaks of diversity and difference, uh, opportune, uh, um, uniqueness and complementarity. So we, we're different and unique at the same time. And then the word origins tells me this is where it all began. This is how it all started. Our birth physically, our birth spiritually, our birth naturally in terms of the creation order it's a fresh start, the origin of something. It's a fresh start. The book of Genesis is a book about God, not about us. Uh, it's a book about God and all creation being called to worship him. 
it's also a book on how all creation is witness to who God is. And so over the past few weeks, we've been reflecting on the importance of building wells through worship and witness. And so today, for those who are visiting us, we are wanting to reflect on the origin of work and where our understanding of work comes from. Why work? For whom do we work? But more specifically for M5 and all visitors, please uh, feel free to join in this. We are asking, how do we build wells in context of work? In the context of work God has placed us in. How does work become part of how we witness? You will remember we spoke about this in our past series. How does work become part of how we worship? So that's our focus today as M5. The beginning of work, but when we think about building wells, where does work fit in? How does work become this well? How does work become the space to witness in? And also, how does how we work become worship? And of course, we have many varied understandings. I'm sure as you hear the words work, you also think about so many different things. Uh, and these things depends on you know, the type of work you are accustomed to, the context in which you work, uh, but also why you work. Um, I want to just challenge a bit further by asking, what does work then mean when we live in a context like South Africa where we have such a high unemployment rate, right? Where the, almost half of our population, mainly young people, but almost half of our population does not have employment, right? What does it mean when there is no uh, income attached to work? What does that mean when I'm not receiving money for what I am doing? So even in this pandemic, we find ourselves thinking very differently about work, experiencing work differently. And so what does it mean when I can't make it to work, when I can't work, when I am isolated, and so forth and so forth. But today, as you heard from Shane and Charlene, I'd like us to interact with each other. And so visitors, please feel free to engage. Um, this is part of how we do M5. We love to hear from each other. So I'd like us to go into breakout rooms soon to, to talk to each other. We all have different experiences of work. And really, if you feel uh, like you wouldn't want to be part of a group just putting a, a button on you to speak, one, you could leave that group and just join the, the main uh, waiting area with Eleni, or you could choose not to speak. So let us not push everybody to speak in these groups, but rather take this time to hear from each other. So I ask a few questions before we go. What comes to your mind when you see these pictures and work? Is it something we get paid for? Is it not? Is it something we go out to do on a daily or weekly basis or not? Is it something we're doing online from home? Or is it something in which we feel we are serving others? Maybe outreach, maybe cleaning, ironing for someone, the school run, right? Cooking, or maybe even caring for our grandchildren. So the question I'm asking you to reflect on, you're just going to have five minutes in your breakaway rooms. What comes to mind when you think about work?
So let's go. Eleni will break you out into breakout rooms. Great. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me that space for you to interact with each other. So let's continue. So you'll see there on the screen a quote from the Theology of Work project. The book of Genesis is the foundation for the theology of work. Any discussion, discussion of work in biblical perspective eventually finds itself grounded on passages in this book. Genesis then is incomparably significant for the theology of work because it tells the story of God's work of creation, the first work of all and the prototype for all work that follows. God is not dreaming an illusion but creating a reality. The created universe that God brings into existence then provides the material of human work the space in which we work, the time through which we work, the matter and energy. Laboring in God's image, we work in creation, on creation, with creation. And if we work as God intends, for creation. Wow, isn't that an amazing quote? Sure. The chapters we're focusing on this week, my screen seems to be... um, Pause now. Let me just do that again. So the chapters, as I shared earlier, that we're focusing on for this week, um, really speak to how God set everything in motion for us to work. Um, In chapters 1 and 3, you see, see I read verses 2 and 3, the earth was without form. There was nothingness. There was barrenness, right? But God said, There was nothing. Now, this is not a scientific discussion as my husband would love it to be. But just from the text, there was nothing. It was without form. It was barren until God said. That's amazing. Our focus today now is going to look at, okay, so what did God say? What did he create? How did he create? And then what does this mean for us today? So what did God create? Firstly, in, the, in chapter 1, we read that he created day and night. He separated light into day and night. So already here, he gave us the time in which to work, the seasons through which to work, the days, the years. So in, in essence, God gave us the calendar within which to work in. The second thing he gave us through what he created is the environment in which to work. And that's endless. Uh, I, I see Petri's also here. So the sky, the sea, and land. We are familiar with land, but Petri, sea, and sky is also there. The context within which to work was given to us. Sustenance for work was also another thing God put in play. Food and water. Food of varying kinds. And then in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So here's the fourth thing he created. The climax of what he created was us. Humanity was the climax of the creation narrative. And I want us just to pause there a bit because we need to get this today. The fact that he created us as the climax of everything 
is why we work. It will change our perspective on how we see work. We were made in God's image. This means it reflects who he is. We are here to reflect who he is in how we relate to each other and how we work. We are created to see others also the way God sees him. So not only were we created in God's image, everybody was. So I should appreciate that God created me to reflect him in whatever space I find myself. But he created me to see others the way he sees them, where I am working. So God's image also speaks about the Trinity. It says, in our image, let us create, right? And that's a whole sermon on its own. But for today, we want to look at the importance of this creation of humanity in the context of relationship. He created us through relationship, for relationship, community, working with and alongside others. We can just stop there with that first two uh, points in terms of, wow, this is why God created, what God created, sorry. He could have created everything in one go, but he chose not to. He wanted to exemplify work and the importance of us co-creating, learning, growing, discerning alongside him. That's amazing. You know, you could have done everything and stopped, but then there wouldn't be place for our creativity. There wouldn't be place for our skills development, our giftedness, our finding new things. And that's why I said in the beginning, the book of Genesis lets me think about a new start, a new opportunity, a, a, a new chance to get involved and so he wanted to give us an example of what godly steward action, stewardship actually is. But unfortunately, in chapter 3, we find out that verse 17 and 19 says, And Adam and Eve was put out of the garden into which we were put into because of their sin. And I, I thought I must spend some time here because we're speaking about creation of humanity. Because I'm, I think many of us, I was included until I reflected on this uh, this week again many of us assume that work is the consequence of sin but the text doesn't say so work is co-creating alongside and because of God the toil and sweat speaks about how creation including us was affected there was weeds alien vegetation the soil conditions were affected and even our relational work politics were affected. So that's the consequence and could be the consequence of sin in our workplace. But the privilege to work is not because of sin. God had that in mind before Adam and Eve were put out. But we also learn from this that work requires hard work. It requires consistency. It requires constant building. So year two, we learn that work comes from uh, comes with victories and growth, but also diligence, self-discipline, effort. Even God confronting Adam about eating from the tree teaches us that ultimately, what's the leadership principle in workplaces in any place? Leadership principle 101 is the leader is ultimately accountable. Yes, blamed Eve. Yes, Eve was also involved. But Adam, you tell me, what went down here? Who, why is this company going down? Why is this house in such a mess? 
the leader is ultimately accountable. So um, the doubt also in, in Eve's mind tells us how we can very easily forget the privilege we have to work. Eve became discontented with the work, with the ability she had, with the skills and the context into which God has placed her. I must try this. What you've given me is not enough. And so we do the same. We are gifted. We have diverse talents and skills, diverse opportunities and backgrounds, but we still find time to doubt God, to become discontented with the work, abilities, and skills, and even the context. You know that feeling when you got the job? Yes, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. And then three months down the line, oh, Lord, please help me get through the day, these people and this, you know. So we soon, very soon, just become discontent with the season of work God has placed us in. So I want to repeat, work is not a consequence of sin. It's the impact on our relationships and how work can affect us that could be the consequence of sin. So there we have what God created And what God created was the context and structure for work, but it was us as the climate max of his creation. The second thing is how God created. And here is the core of today's message. God blessed them. Verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Right? Uh, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So point one, how did God create? He blessed them. He commissioned them. He delegated the work to them. He empowered them to do the work. He created everything, the place, the avenues for growth, the sustenance, the timelines, and then he empowered them to do the work. So that's the first thing. He created by blessing them, right? He commissioned them. The second thing, he said, subdue and rule over, right? There's varying versions of it. Even the one Sia read was a bit different. But here we speak about an order and a strategy to how God created. He took his time. He planned each day as it went, each detail of each day, right? And he discerned what would be appropriate for that day. So here we see God even gave us the gift of order and strategy in how we go about our work. Number three, he created according to its kind. There's over five times in chapter one alone, it says according to its kind. So here a goal for us in every workplace or every context or season of work we find ourselves should be aiming at diversity, diversity of race, of gender, of skills, of competencies, and even our offering, what we put out there. Can't stay with the same thing all the time. We must think about diversity according to its kind. Each person has a purpose and a role to play. So we need to embrace the difference because we want to enhance this partnership we have with people created for relationship, but we also want to enhance enhance our reach within our context. Number four, God saw that it was good. And what is amazing was, this phrase comes up time and time again after every day. And when he speaks about humanity, he says, 
and God saw that it was very good. And so here we see from this we learn point number four, work should be meaningful. And this is where it turns for me. Because now there's a big difference here between being employed, being paid to work, and doing something meaningful. There's a big difference between being employed and paid to do a job and doing something meaningful. What gives you meaning? How can God's image in you be reflected in how you go about your day? How is God worshipped in your day? So to me now, what I'm learning is that work then is that which brings meaning and purpose to my life, not only what I do with the hours of my day and what I get paid for. The song that we sang says, Met alles in mij, met kracht en verstaan, with everything in me, with the power you give me, with the understanding and knowledge you give me, I love you, Lord. So if work should be meaningful, as God saw that it was good, it was very good, how do you now understand work? Number five, and here we, we shift a bit, work must be celebrated. We move to chapter two where it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so that on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then he blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Work must be celebrated. And here I want to encourage us today that this celebration is rest. This celebration and how we rest is part of work. It's not a separate part. And I think that also helps me shift in how I have come to understand it. Rest is part of God's creation of work. It's part of how I celebrate work. God celebrated his work by instituting Rest, the Sabbath is what some people would refer to it. So his work ethic ultimately was work hard, work well, rest and celebrate. This was in the text long ago, long ago, the first three books of the Bible. I am just humbled to see it there again. So, of course, there are many perspectives and experiences of rest as well. Many books out there on how to do Sabbath well, how to rest well, right? So yeah, I put out some slides again. Is rest doing nothing? Is it not seeing or not being with anyone? Is it going away? Is it a retreat, a holiday? Is it sleeping? For me, yes, Chantal, I will love sleep. It's sleeping, right? Is it the privilege of not having a schedule? Is it having a good meal? And look here, look here, moms with small kids. Is it that bathroom break where I go and sit just to breathe? Is that rest? They'll find you there too. Is it catching up on those series, the movie you've wanted for a while? Is it tending your garden, completing those DIYs? Is it spending time? 
and with God. So you see many different books. There's a book for each of these pictures on how to do Sabbath well. Let's look at three key things that guide me in the text. In that verses one to three. Step one for how I am guided by uh, what God sees and has provided as rest as celebration. He finished the work. That's the first step. He finished the work. He applied himself. He gave all he had in those six days. And he was a good steward six days. So what occupies your day? Is it caring for kids? Is it housekeeping? Is it looking for employment? Is it being alone all day? Is it the same routine? Is it making tough decisions? The list can go on and on. But the call here is to do whatever God has called you to be and do in this season of your life, but to do it well. He finished the work, right? According to your own kind, your own giftings, your own skills, your own capacity, and your own role. So God finished the work, right? The second step that I take as a guide towards rest is he made the day holy. He blessed it. He sanctified it. We can learn much about celebrating the Sabbath from the Jewish customs. Exodus 20 verse 8 to 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Not for anything else. The Sabbath is to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore... The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Mark chapter 2 verse 27 said, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made and not for the Sabbath. And here uh, Jesus is in the temple. Uh, he comes in uh, and the Jews, there's a, there's a, a guy that um, needs healing. And so the Jews is watching. So what are you actually going to do now? And he goes ahead and he, and, he, and he heals the man. And then he says to the Jews, the Sabbath was made for man, not for the Sabbath. Meaning, let's not go about being legalistic about which day, how many hours, what you do and can't do and don't do, right? How we rest should be in worship and witness to God. And for that moment, it was healing that man for God, well, for Christ. So not being legalistic. I've seen some people say it must be Sunday. It must be, you shouldn't see anybody. It must be praying whole day. No, no, no. This is not what the text is saying. The Sabbath is about shalom. It's about wholeness. It's about flourishing. Jesus becomes our source of rest. So a question here would be, for who do we do our work? Most of us work to prove ourselves to others. It becomes, if we're doing that, then it becomes a never-ending journey of never feeling good enough, never meeting the mark, never feeling whole. Tim Keller says, if you rely on Jesus' finished work, you know, you know, you know, you know that you know that God is satisfied with you and you can be satisfied with life. As Shane said, 
you know that you know that God loves you. And so this is what should be satisfying to you. God saw that humans were very good. This is not based on whether we are employed or what level of employment we occupy. It is based on God's call on our lives and what he has created us for. Wow. So step one is he finished the work because he worked hard in the time he had to work and he did it well. Second step, he made the day or the time or the, the, the event of Sabbath holy. Set it apart to focus on his relationship with God. Number three, he rested from the work of creating. He didn't just rest from overseeing what he created. He rested from creating, doing. So the question is, how do you celebrate the work God has called you to in ways that restore shalom for you? Restore wholeness. Restore flourishing. What would rest look like from your perspective? And so I want to close off by focusing on four things that Marva Dawn says in her book, Keeping the Sabbath. Uh, she speaks about the Jewish customs of Sabbat. And so number one, she says, how do we stop from creating? We cease from the workday thoughts and cares, ceasing. We learn to let God take care of them, those thoughts, and we do what ignites our passion creativity, and reason for work. So, for example, one of the Jewish rituals is to light a candle to signify its Sabbath or a meal. So what would that look like for you? The second thing she encourages us to do is to rest. Seek shalom physically, emotionally, socially, intellectually, and spiritually, reflecting on who God is and not who I am. One way of resting when we have a busy mind, for example, and that's my problem. I take a whole week to rest my mind before I can actually rest, is to start writing your thoughts that's worrying you about certain things on your designated time of rest. Just write them on a paper, put them down, and promise yourself you will address those thoughts when you come back from your time of rest. Number four, embracing by accepting and living intentionally. Choose to imitate God's model of work. Everything we've just learned here in this text, it's God's model of work. Be intentional about how we do what we do, the values we exhibit when we do what we do. For example, time. There's two ways we see time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is hours. It's minutes, it's hours, it's days. Kairos is the moment. I'm living in this moment. So how do I view time and how do I use time? So we embrace because we are intentional about how we use our time. And finally, feast. Celebrate who we are. Celebrate those around you. Celebrate who God is. Good food, good company. Be in this creation, nature. For some of us, it may be good music. So of course... As usual, God has had an amazing sense of humor when he assigned me this preach. This has, of course, been one of the busiest weeks in my, in my life. But I have been in awe of how God has, right there in the first three books of the Bible, given me the tools to do what he has called me to be. 
I'm reminded of my giftedness, of my skills, of my time, of my resources, of my relationships. And I'm reminding that, I'm reminded that that's all about who God is, not who I am and what I can accomplish. But I'm also convicted after going through this week of wrestling with the text, and there was so much more that I couldn't put into this preach. I'm convicted that my well is dry. There hasn't been any witness or worship there in a while. Work has not been witness. Work has not been worship. And so I want us to now close off this day by speaking to each other again. You will be put in the same groups. And so I'm asking myself, Lord, you've given me the structure of what and how you created. You've given me rest as part of this thing called work. It's not necessarily paid work, but it's what makes life meaningful to me to worship you. And now I'm asking, how do my experiences and places of work becomes wells of witness how do our times of rest sabbath prepare us for this do we meet with christ in our times of rest or do we just lay on the couch do we fill up on this living water to share with others in our times of rest thank you eleni